the rest stop. With Brad Restituto. Comes up the pocket. Fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Welcome to the rest stop. It is Tuesday, March 9th, 2021. I'm Brad Restituto, your host, with you every Tuesday and Thursday live, 9 o'clock Pacific time. Spencer Ostrovsky. You can follow him on Twitter at SpencerTheWiz. He is with me as well. We've got a good show for you tonight. We will lead off with Dak Prescott signing the huge extension with the Dallas Cowboys. We'll get into March Madness, some college hoops, basketball conference tournaments underway, some conference title games, some first, second round games, everything getting started in college basketball and getting going in full effect. So we'll recap some of those important scores from tonight's game which teams will be punching their tickets to the tournament and this unprecedented March Madness as we missed out on it last season. It will be back this year and hopefully for all the college basketball fans. And for us, myself and Spencer here in Las Vegas, a huge deal every year as March Madness is a, is a huge event in the Las Vegas area and Las Vegas sports books. Also, we'll talk a little NBA, All-Star Weekend, Steph Curry, the three-point champion for the second time on the last shot on his rack in the ball, took the victory on All-Star Weekend, the slam dunk contest, All-Star Weekend, and of course the big basketball signing. Blake Griffin will join the Brooklyn Nets in the second part of the season as the Nets, with their additions, look to have enough to represent the Eastern Conference in the finals. And hopefully for them, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden and company hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy at the end of the season. And towards the end of the show, special guest tonight, Omar Billy, former teammate of mine in high school, defensive tackle for Georgia Tech, and former teammate of Calvin Johnson, Roman Reigns, WWE champion. Uh, Omar was teammates with them. We caught up after not uh, connecting in many, many years, had a great conversation. There's actually three parts to it. We'll play part one for you tonight. Uh, we may have part two on Thursday, and then you'll be able to check out the entire conversation on the YouTube channel, Brad the Believer. You can check out all of the YouTube content, all of the past podcasts on the YouTube channel as well. And download the Twitch app if you haven't already. This is where we go live every Tuesday and Thursday, twitch.tv slash Football, And, of course, subscribe to any of the podcasting platforms. Chris Landry Football, football conference call. The rest stop will be underneath there. So support us, show us love there. And then we also go live on my Facebook page, and Twitter handle as well. Uh, but before we kick off the deck, Dak Prescott news, Spencer the Wiz, uh, I got to tell you a little bit of, about my consumption with television here at, in the last 24 hours. I'm pretty excited. I just picked up a Roku, Spencer the Wiz. And um, I had to get rid of the Apple TV because I had like the first edition, which is super old. But what I'm liking about this Roku, I was a, able to add on the HBO Max, as I told you, last week that I got, I can stream Peacock TV live, which has uh, some of the NBC programming on there. And Roku, Roku TV has their own live TV channels as well, which I was watching right before we got on the show, bare knuckle fighting, which was very interesting. I watched a really good fight go five rounds uh, before we jumped on the show. I was able to watch sports grid 
um, radio network or television network, which is a sports programming channel similar to VSIN, where I worked for a little while. It talks mostly sports gambling, sports betting odds. So it's pretty cool. This little Roku, I paid 25 bucks for it. I'm loving it. It's going to give me some more time to check some things out. Uh, so I'm pretty fired up about it. And this bare knuckle boxing was really entertaining, Spence, uh, that I watched right before we jumped on here. Have you seen any of this before? I've never seen uh, bare knuckle boxing, but I just wanted to say on behalf of like the whole streaming service thing, in my opinion, at my age at 24, uh, I just think that it's going to collapse soon. I mean, we're getting closer and closer to cable television every single day because at the, the beginning of all of this, it was Hulu Netflix. It was an alternative to the regular structure of DirecTV where you have to, you know, there's no original content. Like DirecTV just has its thing and dominated. And then, you know, you get all these old series come out and that's kind of the whole draw to it. You can get it anytime you want. Everyone loves it. And now everybody is a streaming service. NBC is Peacock and then HBO Max and Apple TV and Hulu and Netflix still and Disney Plus. What I think is going to end up happening is Soon enough, there's going to be packages that include all of them, and it's just going to be one giant TV thing. Boom, that's what DirecTV was at the start of all of this. I hope it collapses soon because it's too hard to navigate all these different ones. Like The Office is now on Peacock, and then Peacock has like three different tiers of Peacock that gives you some seasons of The Office, then all of them. It's much too disjointed. It's not very palatable to consume content at this point because it's being licensed in so many different directions with new ones popping up every single day. You got Sling TV and stuff that we like we're not even in the market for for the most part. Uh, So I hope it does happen that way. You know, we can just watch TV the way we want. That was kind of the whole reason of streaming services in the first place. Spence, I'm not sure how many of the listeners to the podcast or watching live will care about this next subject, but I've got to touch on it for at least a minute here. Um, it, it is entertaining, so stick around here. Two of the gentlemen on the chat here, you'll see Alfred Bastin, one, and Brian Bravo, two. Well, Al lives here in Las Vegas. Brian Bravo lived in Las Vegas, now lives in New York, but he has made his way back to the Las Vegas area, and I met him. Picked him up today, this afternoon, and Spencer the Wiz, we made a bomb phone call to you from my phone. Uh, you were a little surprised, but Brian Bravo, the Brian Bravo experience is here in Las Vegas, and he is already in full effect. Jose Cuervo, 1800 in hand, Chaser next to him, 24-pack uh, of beer, and he is ready to hit the town running uh, in full effect. Um, so Brian Bravo is in Las Vegas, ladies and gentlemen, and he will make personal appearances if you reach out uh, to the Rest Stop podcast or anything else. He is definitely uh, a character if there's ever been one, and he has already hit the ground running full speed. Uh, and Spencer the Wiz, we may have to recruit you out to Las Vegas sometime this week because I don't think you know this, but in our personal conversations, Brian Bravo and myself – he is a very excited to challenge me in some athletic competitions. He wants to race me in a foot race, which he has zero chance to win. Uh, I would love to get this on film for the YouTube channel and for the podcast. I plan on going to a full football field, Spence, giving him a 15-yard head start and race to the goal line. Uh, so it'll be quite fun to see what happens with that competition. Uh, Bravo thinks he's the next Brett Favre. Uh, so I would love for you to ch- capture some of this on film, Spence. It would be highly entertaining. We'll see if we can make that work. Bravo will be in town for quite some time. So this will be some entertaining uh, content maybe for the YouTube channel if we can work it out. Uh, so Brian is a big fan of the show, a friend of mine, big fan of Spencer the Wiz. Uh, so he is here in Las Vegas making appearances for a limited time. So 
With that being said, Spence, let's hit sports. And Dak Prescott signs the big deal. Spencer, the way is he signs a – is it six-year? I thought it was a four-year deal, $140 million. What are you it's telling void. me here? I think it's void after four years, but the full okay. deal is six years. Well, that's huge. Uh, you're, if we're talking – I don't care if we're talking $160 million, $180 million, uh, This is big-time money. Is it deserved? It's hard to say, Spence. I mean, this is the market for QBs right now. If you have a QB that you think can get you to the playoffs and win you some playoff games, uh, you're not going to go Andy Dalton. Are you going to make big moves to move up in the draft? I don't know if there's somebody in the draft you like that much after Trevor Lawrence that you're willing to take over Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott has shown, Spence, that he can, in playoff situations, make big plays. And if you want to fire up a couple of those clips, I mean, one of his most – Memorable, if only playoff performances, was at home in a losing effort to the Green Bay Packers. But he was great in that game, and he's been great at times. Um, I don't think he has to have everything perfect around him to be successful. Now, a lot of people may not completely agree with that assessment, but I, I feel very confident in a lot of my quarterback takes. And this is another one. I like Dak Prescott. He's he's a top 12 guy for me, maybe even top 10. And I think he can win you playoff games. I think he can get you deep in the playoffs. Uh, I definitely would would hope that he would have a defense. And now I believe um, – uh, why is the guy slipping my mind? Former former Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I don't know why I keep thinking O'Brien. It's not O'Brien. Dan Quinn. I think Dan oh. Quinn is the new defensive coordinator with uh, Dallas Spence. You may have to fact check that for me. I don't, I'm not 100% sure. I'm somewhere in the high 90s that it's Dan Quinn. But that's going to be a huge move on that defensive side of the ball. I believe they keep Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. That's going to be a big deal. I, I, I think it's the only move. I, I know they didn't want to spend this much money, Spencer, but I think this is the only move for the Dallas Cowboys is to sign Dak. Let's not talk about this anymore if you're – uh, media in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. If you're pro-media, we're going to get this done now uh, in the beginning of March, and we're going to move on. And you've got young C.D. Lamb, dynamic receiver. you got Blake Jarwin, a young tight end, who's going to be able to make plays. If you can add another little piece or two to, to create some more depth on that offensive line because you've lost a couple guys, I think that offense will be in good shape. How healthy can Dak come back from this injury can he come back 100% sooner than later? I don't know the answer to that question. I think that's going to be the key. If he can or even come close, I think they'll be okay. I mean, look what the Washington football team did with not much of an offense. I mean, they went 5-1 and one at one point with Alex Smith, who wasn't fully healthy. I like what Dak can do. I think Dak will be focused coming back from this injury. Uh, I'm just curious about what if he's going to be, have any limitations from this injury. Of course, we've come a long way with medicine, with technology, as far as injuries go. But the way I look at it, this was the only decision for the Dallas Cowboys to make. Uh, well, first, I'll just say to Jennifer's question, I live in the great city of Pahrump outside of the Las Vegas area. I make my way into town quite frequently for work. But there's one blaring issue for the Cowboys here, and that's the other side of the football. I have no doubt that they have a playoff or a top 10 top five offense dare I say when they're fully healthy and they have a good offensive line they got a nice tight end Amari Cooper Ezekiel Elliott we know what they have offensively that's not the problem but when you overpay for quarterback when you overpay for running back and you overpay for a receiver 
I mean, that money is going to get caught up and we know the cast base is going down in the NFL and it's going to continue to go down until we go back to full normalcy where all the crowds are in and everything like that. So to me, it's either you overpay Dak Prescott and you don't go to the playoffs because much like the Raiders, there's nothing they can do in one offseason to make their defense a playoff defense that's going to take them anywhere. And I don't even think going to the first round of the playoffs in a bad division and getting blown out also constitutes a good season to me. That's a bad season. So at least for this year, there's no chance for them to go past the first round of the playoffs. They're going to have to make a lot of great moves in the draft and going forward again, like a lot of these guys deals are not front loaded, meaning that this year he's making $47 million and it gets worse and worse as it goes on throughout his little contract here. Now they can't void it after four years. And yes, am I saying that Dak Prescott is not a top 12 quarterback, a top 10 quarterback. No, I think he is. But again, when you overpay for someone like Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott, this looks a lot worse and it's not going to get better for them. They might have a worse, if not as bad defense as the, as the Las Vegas Raiders. And I'm not sure how they're going to be able to figure out those problems in each of these off seasons coming up. Spence, you make a good point about the Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott contracts. I think Ezekiel Elliott is a really really good football player, but you have another really talented guy behind him and Tony Pollard. And with Amari Cooper, he should not be paid like a number one as far as I'm concerned. And there's just too much talent coming out in the next five years. In the last few years, we've seen it at the receiver position, Spence, the, the guys that are so focused on being just complete athletes, they are starting to come out in full effect. We're, we're going to see the receivers class for the next few years just continue to be outstanding, in my opinion. And I just don't know that you need to pay a guy like Amari Cooper what you what you made and also the running back position. Do you want to lose Zeke Elliott? No, you don't. Um, but after the year he had last year and the emergence of a young Tony Pollard, you, may, you have to be a little more deliberate in how you want to spend that big money. The quarterback position, yes. And I think offensive and defensive lines have to be the next priorities for a lot of these teams that have to pay a quarterback and don't have him on a rookie deal to build a team that can compete for a title. So look, the, as a, as a former Vikings fan, you see it with Kirk cousins and the Vikings decided to play Dalvin cook. Now Dalvin cook had a fantastic year this last year. It didn't equate into a playoff spot. Um, I'm not saying they would have been better off, you know, giving that money somewhere else on the defense, even though the defense was awful, but it's just a big combination Spence. You've got to be able to draft. Well, you've got to be able to draft depth and you've got to, really uh, kind of hit that crap shoot when you decide to pay a guy. And if it's going to be at a skill position player, you better hope he's going to be a top three guy at that position that can affect wins and losses. I'll go back to the Vikings, Spence. They were at, at the position group, Kirk Cousins, statistically, Justin Jefferson, um, Dalvin Cook. I mean, statistically, some of the best top five at their positions, they didn't win games. They couldn't stop anybody. They couldn't create turnovers. They couldn't make big plays inside the red zone or on third and fourth down. I mean, this is how close football is. You've got to dive deep into the most important plays of a game, the most important situations, and you've got to have guys on that field that are going to show up the most in those certain times. And uh, I definitely don't think Amari Cooper is that guy. Zeke Elliott has not showed that consistency. So teams have got to be careful or they're going to end up like the Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Cowboys, the rest of the teams in the NFC East, who we were laughing at for most of the year because of the worst division in football. So it's going to be interesting to follow up, Spence. But 
As far as Dak individually, whether you thought it was the right or wrong decision, this is the position you have to be right on. And I, I think the Cowboys were left no choice. Spence, let's keep it in the NFL and let's talk about some of the guys that got the franchise tag today. But let's start off with a trade here in Las Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders, uh, Trent Brown. Back to the Patriots after a dis disappointing stint with the Raiders. Uh, JT the Brick here locally uh, in Las Vegas does a radio show and close to the Raiders called it a disgrace uh, the way that Trent Brown played as a Raider. A lot of people not happy with his time here as a Las Vegas Raider did not show up, did not play a, a whole lot. And uh, very disappointing. Spence. I'll let you take the reins here, talk a little bit about this deal, and then we'll get into some of the guys that got franchise tagged. Yeah, I, I think this is just one of those guys where money just went straight to his head. He played really hard uh, for New England at the beginning of his career, showed out who he was, and then he got uh, like a $66 million deal from the Raiders. And Mike Mayock said it last week, if I'm not mistaken, saying that if, if this guy can get uh, passionate for football and if he can get into a better shape – then he'll have a chance to be one of the best rest ta right tackles in football. And I think he could even be to a Hall of Fame level of a right tackle in football. I think that's how talented he is. But some guys, you know, that their sport isn't their top priority, but they're just kind of naturally talented. We've seen that. Kari Irving, I think, is one of the most naturally talented players we've ever seen play the sport of basketball. But it's not his number one priority. You can say the same thing about Ben Simmons, someone who has the natural gift. And I'm sure there are infinite number of players I, I talked about Johnny Menzel last show. Well, he too is one of the most naturally gifted football players who's ever touched the field. But because of the money and the outside things, it just got in the way. And, you know, that's bound to happen sometimes. Now he's going back to where he made his name for himself. So on, I have no ill will against like anybody, even if they were terrible for the Raiders, which he wasn't. He only played 16 games in two years, but he just didn't see eye to eye with John Gruden. This was the right move. I think the Raiders are saving like 14 million against the cap this season by trading him. They also released Gabe Jackson earlier this day, uh, earlier today, which I think was another 4 million. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, they played with a makeshift offensive line the entire year and they were still in like the top 15 and protective coverage for Derek Carr. Uh, certainly one of his most protected years in his careers. So I think they'll be just fine. The Raiders are uh, over the cap right now. I don't know if this puts them under necessarily, but they're going to have to make a lot more moves because they have to sign Nelson Aguilar because Henry Ruggs will never, ever, 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 ever be a first option in the NFL if he's lucky enough to stay in for a long time. Uh, and he, Nelson Aguilar, you know, he was a surprise, but they got to make it done. The rest of the league seem, seems to think he's going there. Uh, but, yeah, the Raiders are trying to figure it out. But Mike Mayock's a GM, so I don't think they will. I want to talk about some of the guys that got franchise tagged today and uh, Jennifer and whoever else maybe – uh, needs a little education in sports. I'll try to explain the franchise tag uh, the easiest way I know possible. When you franchise tag a player on your football team, uh, you're paying him as a top 10 player at his position for just one year, and he's not allowed to sign with anybody else or go anywhere else for that one year. So he's under the team's uh, umbrella. He's attached to that team for at least one year while that team puts the tag on them. Otherwise, if they did not put the franchise tag on said player, he would be an unrestricted free agent and free to sign with any football team of his choice. So some of the guys that were involved in this today, hopefully I explained that well, Spence. Uh, and if you, if you want to add anything to that, please go ahead. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's just the average, like that you pay that player, the average of the top five of that position. So 
you're not putting a franchise tag on someone who you don't think is very good. Most of the time, it's because of contract negotiations where you can't agree on a number, but you like can't afford for them to leave. You only get one franchise tag per off season, so it's going to be someone really talented that they don't want to pay the top dollar amount for, but they want to keep them around. And we'll start off in Tampa Bay, the defending Super Bowl champions. They use their franchise tag on Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin, a receiver. Uh, I, I believe he scored a t- – maybe he did. No, he did not score a touchdown in the Super Bowl, but he's an important young player at that receiver position for Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, and also, Tampa Bay signed Levante David to a two-year exp- extension for $25 million. But, Spence, there's a guy that's left out of this equation that will be a free agent. And talk about that for a minute. Shaq Barrett, linebacker for the Bucks. He's going to be the odd man out here and going to be able to test the free agent waters. So, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big deal. I, I think we all saw it coming a little bit. I, I mean, they just have such a talented defense. I think we're all spoiled by looking at their roster offensively to forget just how good they were on the other side. I mean, they killed uh, Patrick Mahomes on the rush in that Super Bowl, but that's because they had a bevy of players. So naturally, you're not going to be able to keep a great – like they just found a way to make it work last year and – you know, you're going to have to make some sacrifices to move forward to kind of keep that team as much intact as possible because when you win Super Bowls, players are obviously going to be getting big paychecks. And Shaq Barrett is due for one, and they would never be able to get close to that number unless he's willing to take a pay cut and he loves Tampa Bay that much, uh, which I doubt it. I mean, he got a Super Bowl ring there, and I think he's looking to, you know, I think he's a little bit of an older guy or like this is probably going to be the biggest contract he gets of his career. Two years ago, he had over 20 sacks. Uh, someone will be looking for him, although it's interesting. Will he be able to produce another 20-sack season? Probably not. I mean, rarely does anybody do that in their career. I'm not sure what his price is going to be, but we know defensive ends have been getting massive contracts over these past couple seasons. I'm not sure if he's up at that echelon, but maybe just the tiny tier below. And not a big surprise in this move as the Packers used a high draft pick a couple years ago on A.J. Dillon running back. They do not franchise tag Running back Aaron Jones, he will hit the free agent market. He had a pretty solid year for the Packers last year. The New Orleans Saints, they do franchise safety Marcus Williams. Uh, and some other NFL news, former Bears offensive line, lineman Kyle Long, brother of Chris Long, son of Howie Long, planning to come out of retirement and make uh, his rounds back into the NFL. A Pro Bowl lineman for the, for the Bears, three-time Pro Bowler, looking to come back. The Seahawks do not use their franchise tag on defensive back Shaquille Griffin uh, or running back Chris Carson. So a couple other, the Bears, they did franchise wide receiver Allen Robinson, of course a big piece uh, to their puzzle. The Lions did not franchise Kenny Galladay. He will be a free agent. And is there anybody else that comes to mind for you, Spencer the Wiz? Some of the big ones there, I believe Cam Robinson, the Offensive lineman for the Jacksonville Jaguars was franchise tag. Uh, and other transactions, the Vikings cut kicker Dan Bailey after three seasons with the team. And, of course, he was most notably uh, one of the most accurate kickers in the league when he was the kicker for the Dallas Cowboys. So NFL free agency is getting underway. The draft is coming up in the next month or so. So we'll get into some of that talk here in the upcoming weeks. But with the franchise tags getting going, it's a big deal. Spencer the Wiz. So uh, we'll keep following the NFL on a daily basis to see what news comes down. And real quick, Spence, you talked about Russell Wilson possibly getting some – his name getting fired up in some conversation with the Chicago Bears. 
Yeah, uh, it, it, it's kind of been it's more rumored than anything. But of course, he did give those four teams that he would be willing to get traded to Russell Wilson. Uh, and one of those teams is gone now. The Cowboys, you know, he's, they just signed their quarterback. So that means it's either the I'm not saying he's going to be traded, but if he is, it's either going to be to the Bears, the Raiders or the Saints. So I think Bears fans are, are more excited thinking it's going to happen. I mean, they have an outside chance for sure, uh, because it's not that Seattle would be able to get a quarterback back. Of course, they just straight up wouldn't be able to. But they could get Cleo Mack, and that's always just going to be a big trade piece. That would be kind of the center of it, along with the tons and tons of future draft picks. I don't think Seattle's looking – I mean, I guess they're looking to make a, a Super Bowl playoff run next year, but the way they exited last year, the way the relationship strained between Russell Wilson and the team now – I really doubt that uh, you know they're, they're bound for a run. So I think they're willing to tank next year, maybe take a quarterback this year and go from there. I mean, they got a lot of success out of him. It would just be weird to see a Hall of Fame quarterback get moved. But if you went to the Bears, it'd be a real threat. So, guys, we're going to finish off the show a little bit later tonight, towards the end, talking some basketball with the Blake Griffin move, the conference tournaments. Uh, some teams punching their t- ticket to March Madness and briefly the All-Star game. But I want to get to a conversation that we've been talking about. Uh, Omar Billy, former defensive tackle, Georgia Tech, former teammate of mine in high school in football. We had a conversation last week. It's going to have three parts. I'd love to get that started for you with part one tonight. It's a good chat between Omar Billy, former teammate of Calvin Johnson and Roman Ma- Reigns from the Orlando area, played his college ball at Georgia Tech. So I'd love to get to some of that right now. You might have to uh, right. reshare that with All audio. Right. Yeah, we, 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 can't, we came back here. Sorry, guys, about that. Let's uh, let's see if we can get the audio working on that. That's my fault, everyone. And uh, we'll get this interview going. 150 pounds of muscle. He's one of the most dangerous. My next guest here on the rest stop, this is a gentleman I've known and I met over 21 years ago. He is a former teammate of mine, high school football in Colonial High School in the Orlando, Florida area. Uh, Many don't know the school. It's not a very well-known school for sports, but it was 6A football back then, which was highly competitive. The likes of Warren Sapp played 6A football at Apopka. We did not play them. But we were teammates over 20 years ago, and this gentleman also went on to complete his football career and, or at least add to it at Georgia Tech. He stands around six foot three inches tall, 250 pounds of muscle. He's one of the do- most dangerous men with two first names. Without further ado, the great Omar Billy. Omar, hey. thanks for joining me on the rest stop, man. I appreciate catching up with you after all these years, my man. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I appreciate the warm welcome, man. I, I really, really do. It's 
and it, excuse me if I sound a little stuffy, it is, uh, it's spring here and I believe that I'm acquiring some allergies. So I, I'm going to go ahead and apologize on the front end of this. But yeah, man, it's so dope that you were, uh, you're able to invite me to this. And I, I love that you are doing these great things now, man. Um, well, I'm, I'm excited to, to reconnect with you. I, I'm, I'm in the process this year in 2021. I want to reconnect with uh, a lot of people I played sports with back in the day. Because Omar, to me, my memory is still fresh with a lot of things. Now, yeah. like I definitely don't expect everyone else to have the same memories I do. But that's the, that's the great thing about reconnecting. Because yeah. we can share what each other remember and what we don't. And what yeah. journeys led us up to this conversation right now. Because to me, uh, the last 21 years have evaporated and it it's interesting because you don't necessarily know where you're going unless you can remember where you came from right. and the journey that got us here. And that's the exciting part about where I am in my life right now. I've been following some of the stuff you've done on Facebook. Uh, and uh, hopefully I'll get to learn if you have some more social medias that all of us can follow in the audience here at the rest stop. But I love what you're doing. I saw some stuff you're doing uh, with leadership out there in Atlanta. So I'm interested to take this time not only to reminisce, but to pick your brain what you're doing now. So thank you for joining the rest stop. Well, let's start it off uh, over 20 years ago. And I'll tell you what I remember first. And, uh -huh. and, and if I'm wrong or, or I misremember, you absolutely jump in and stop me. So I was a senior at Colonial High School. You were a sophomore. First uh -huh. of all, is that correct? <laughs> I yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So absolutely. you're class of 2001. Okay, and I remember, I remember this big, strapping young gentleman around six three, slim, like. And Omar, from what I remember, you you I know you played defensive end, but you could have really played any position at that point in time on defense if you chose. Um, why why defensive end? And and take me back to the mindset back then of a sophomore in, in high school and what you remember initially coming to Colonial and playing football there. Well. What I remember initially was um, I, I always wanted to play for Colonial. I didn't really have a good um, – because because I played for Azalea Park, you know, Pop Warner games. And um, I don't know if you remember – well, I'm sure you do, Adam Searcy and his family. Because, That's right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, they used to take me to Colonial games. So I always thought, you know, that was making it. Playing on Friday nights was, quote, unquote, making it. And, and you know – as as a 10 year old or whatever I was playing Pop Warner, I didn't realize Colonial wasn't great. Now they did have a good season when I was watching them, the you know, the seven and three season. Uh but you know, I mean you know Colonial and 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 Colonial really didn't have the history of winning that but you know I didn't really care. I wanted to um to answer your question directly as as a sophomore, I wanted to change that that history, you know, mm. the, the the losing seasons. I wanted to I wanted to make a name for um, for our neighborhood, for our school, for myself. Uh, all those things were important to me at the time. I also, it, as a sophomore, I wanted to, I wanted to be a, a contributor on varsity, you know, and, and those were some of my focuses. I remember at that time idolizing some Florida State players, um, Andre Wadsworth. Yes, I knew my memory was right. I was going to yeah. go there. You beat me to it. Yeah, I remember, uh, you know, just loving everything about Bruce Smith. And, and and Reggie White and that's what made me fall in love with the position it was it was a, like the defensive line from Florida State how they executed and it was so cool kind of fast forwarding a bit when I got to tech seeing the game tape of some of those guys because game tapes roll over a few years depending on what the uh, position coach is teaching 
And I remember seeing like Corey Simon and guys who had graduated before I got to tech, but mm-hmm. some of the guys that I idolized as a high schooler, seeing them, you know, in competition with Georgia Tech, you know, in, in Georgia Tech games in, in, in the in the cut up footage. Uh, so that was really cool once I got to school because I knew all these guys. I knew just how they played, you know, for a, a sophomore, for a high schooler, you know what I mean? And what I could see from watching games on ABC, you know, you don't get the, the, the end zone footage that you do in college. It's a different it's a different uh, way that you study film when you get to um, to college ball. You know what I mean? Um, just because of resources and stuff, but it was cool to see those guys that I was idolized. Now I'm playing in, in conference with them. You know what I mean? In conference, that's right. Yeah. I remember, I remember Omar the Florida State conversations because we. Yeah. I, I remember, and I don't know if you remember this. I, and I want to lead up to this because I still want to hit some more details. But it's interesting because a lot of people that remember me back then and still know me now. I, of course, I was a diehard Vikings fan. Yeah, Chris Carter. I wore the number eighty. Randy Moss. But in the mid-80s, when I first started watching football, my dad had VHS tapes of the 87 Vikings playoff run where they were a wild card and they went to the 87 championship game. My first love with the Vikings was on defense. They were known for their defense during that run. Chris Dolman, number 56, Hall of Famer. Keith Millard in the middle. Joey Browner, the safety. I love those guys. Those guys were playmakers. Mm-hmm. So, and I watched them, and then that transitioned to John Randall in the 90s. You know John Randall very of well. Course, that guy was course. an absolute beast. He, absolutely. Him, Reggie White, I mean, those guys were the first, really, not the first, but guys that expanded that defensive line position yeah. for more than just being a powerhouse. They yeah. added moves to their repertoire. They, you had to bring double teams on these guys. They were just elite pass rushers, of course. You know, Lawrence Taylor, it didn't start there, but that's where it started to really catch legs. So. Right. I was a big defensive fan first before I became in love with offense, which a lot of people don't know. Mm-hmm. But Florida State, Omar, I knew we t- we had those conversations. And if you remember, and if, if the audience remembers back in the 90s, this is before the Hurricanes had had their lull. They had won the titles, but they weren't quite back yet. Right. Florida State was the program under Bobby Bowden that yep. we were talking about as young guys looking to go to that next level. We, we were big fans of Florida State football. So Omar, let's let's continue the the reminiscing, okay? And and definitely correct me if I'm wrong because I have some some back and forth with some old guys we went to school with with some differing opinions. But I'm going to state facts for a minute, okay? okay? Our high school in six A, we weren't great at Colonial, but I thought we could have been because let's let's just look at the talent from a three year span, from the year ahead of me, which would have been the class of '98. And then we'll go to my class and then, you know, even the junior class, the class ahead of you, and then your sophomore class. Yeah. We could just go a laundry list of guys that went to college and played on the next level. I mean, we can name 15 guys off the top of our head. I mean, we don't have to go through the list, but it's fact. Yeah. And there's probably a handful of others that didn't that probably should have been. Yeah. Uh, So when I look back at that and I see the possibility of moving pieces and talent, and especially the way that our offense clicked with, with some of the skill position players, it makes me wonder how the hell we didn't put the right pieces in place with the combination and really make a run at an opportunity to be a playoff squad, even from when you were a sophomore. And I didn't follow the offense as closely when you were a junior and senior, but I know that there was some talent there too. Yeah. So let's just go back from what I remember your sophomore year. We had some record setting offensive guys 
Myself, personally, I didn't get much playing time, but I thought I could have been a contributor. You were a part of that defense. You did contribute as a sophomore, Omar, and some other guys, young guys, that probably should have saw more playing time, mm-hmm. but didn't because they were only sophomores. Yeah. Talk about what you remember about some of the talent from your high school days, even as the guys that were a little older than you and then in the same class as you. Yeah, I, you know, I always, I always kind of kept that feeling too, that we should have been able to do more. Um, in hindsight, I, I have learned through business, um, I, I guess, well, you know, through sports at Georgia Tech, through, through playing ball at Georgia Tech, and, and those thoughts and those experiences mature a bit more through business. Um, just because you're older, you know what I mean? And, and like you, you, you see the value of, of, of the, the different elements of what makes a team great. And then you mm. read and that adds to the wisdom and you know what I mean? You get this Absolutely. From, from things that, you know, you didn't really have access to, or you really weren't interested in as a 16 year old, 17 year old, you know, 15 year old. Right. And I see in hindsight where we, we kind of fell short in some ways and, um, we just you know, like a, a, a well, a, a, a team that works well together has a lot of things that are more valuable than talent. You know what I mean? Things like commitment, things like um, uh, just execution, things like focus, things that are intangibles have to be done in a collection. Like there has to be a culture of that. You know, so like Nick Saban at Alabama wins, not just because his kids are talented, but because they execute, like they have less penalties than other teams do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There, there are certain things that's, that's discipline, you know, and discipline is a choice. You know what I mean? And discipline can be culture. So he's taking these kids from everywhere, not always the best neighborhoods, obviously in the country and maturing them to discipline, discipline football players who execute at incredibly high levels. So it's not just that these guys uh, talking about uh, the kids at Alabama now, are more talented than, than than other kids and other teams. Well, they are, but they're also executing at a higher le- level based on the culture of the organization, based on the demands that Nick Saban has. Well, you see the same thing when you when you watch Urban Meyer's teams at Ohio State and when he was at Florida. Well, you see the same things with Dabo Sweeney's kids, right? You see the same principles, and principles don't change. You know what I mean? So when I look back at where we fell short, even though we did have talent and I really believe in the talent that we had, you know, my heart and, and, you know, my mind, I want to remedy. I I wish I could, you know, turn back the hands of time and inject the things that were necessary Mm. for us to do these things. You know what I mean? And just, I know it, I know it, you know, where the ships fell then, you know? Mm. So that's what I, I believe um, based on our, you know, our, our football experience, you know, Um, but I'm grateful for it, man. Colonial taught me a lot. And and one of the things it taught me was, you know, adversity is, is part of success. It's, it's absolutely an element in success. And uh, people don't, people won't excel if they don't accept that and understand it. Now, it is, you know, you don't win all the time. Like you just don't. Like nobody does. Certain teams go undefeated, and that's a very, very short time span. But like at some point, everyone takes an L, and you have to learn to survive through that. You have to learn to compete. You have to learn to develop. You have to learn to make that L 
a lesson instead of a loss. And I believe that Colonial allowed me to learn to process things not coming the way that I had in, in my mind, mm -hmm. ideally, and, and utilizing them for, you know, for growth or, you know, a tool, um, you know, allowing, I guess, access to, you know, to apply it in a way that would be helpful for me down the line. Um, and so I'm careful not to say learning to lose. Instead, taking the lessons that come from things not going your way or adversity and applying them to what will be useful for you in the future. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Omar, I, I love where you're going with this. And let me tell you why. I'll jump in here here for a second. Yeah. Is this is great. I, I love where you went with this because this has been my driving force. All of this encapsulation of sports psychology and the why, right? right? What is the why? And my question and what's driven me is as a li lifelong Vikings fan, yeah. as a diehard sports fan, yeah. and as a player at Colonial, and to see, um, you know, not breeding the success that you would expect or that others have had. I have always said, why? When I see guys like you in the laundry list of guys that went on to play college football, and I, and I, and I know what my eyes see, I, my life has been football. You, you know sports. We know sports. We're guys that have been passionate about sports. We don't just yeah. go through the motions. I've known that about you. You know that about me. So we, our eyes don't necessarily deceive us, what we see and what we know to be true. So I've always wondered why, why can't, why are we not champions in yeah. as a, as a Vikings franchise that has had the talent? Why at colonial can we only win three games? And I've lived my life wanting to know why it's not just about, like you said, the athleticism and how high you can jump. So I've trained myself to understand the intricacies of sports and how to succeed, not only as an individual, as a team and trying to figure out that answer. And we've had some great examples along the way professionally. I think yeah. most recently, Tom Brady is a fine example of winning at an elite level when you look at somebody that the intangibles and the metrics don't line up in his favor. There right. is 50 hundreds of guys metrically, analytically, that are more talented than Tom Brady at that position. So mm -hmm. what does he bring to the table that makes him a winner? And you touched on this with you're talking about culture with the Alabama programs, with the Ohio State programs. And this, to me, Omar, is fascinating because this is a, a key to life, right? I, I, I still, for my own mental health, play basketball three, four days a week. I still love to compete. And I watch you on your videos lifting and doing the stuff you're doing. Clearly, that hasn't left you. And right. correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm saying something incorrect. Oh, you're 100 so, so it's it's fascinating to me as Tom Brady has laid a foundation for me somebody that's about to hit 40 years old this year to not give up on myself because if he can do it at that level. So this is a fantastic conversation because there's other guys like me and others out there. And I hear it at the gym all the time. I'm old, man. Ah, oh, these guys are just, and I will, I, I don't believe at 40, I'm too old. I don't believe at 49, I'll be too old. Maybe at 60 or 70, why not continue to push the bar? as individuals and not sell ourselves short. I could go a little longer on that, but let's go back and forth, Omar. What are your thoughts on what I just said there as far as the sports psychology of putting your own individual self in a position to be a champion and also transitioning that to your teammates if you're playing in a team sport? There's something to be said about that. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about it. As a matter of fact, <laughs> you know, you would need a few episodes of this show to unpack <laughs> winning 
you know, uh, John Maxwell writes about it really well. Uh, and there's, there, there are many people who do, uh, you know, winning is an inside job. Mm. It's, it's all done on the inside. And, you know, there are things that you, you know, you can't argue with, you know, father time is going to come get us at some point, right? How we choose to take the journey to that, to, you know, the ultimate destination is up to us. It's a choice. It's an inside thing. You know what I mean? So when you see me still competing with myself, which is the ultimate competition, mm-hmm. you know, and like yourself, competing with yourself should be as well. That's a choice. I'm choosing to win. I'm choosing not to be. I'm choosing to pursue the best version of myself. You know, I'll say that without making an indictment on other people because other people have the choice to live how they choose to live. You know, if being sedentary is somebody's, you know, is a choice that somebody makes, you know, I, I, I don't want to encroach on their personal decisions. I, I don't. I don't want them to feel judged by me. At the same time, when my neighbors see me in my garage getting after it, I don't, I, I don't care what they think, first of all. <laughs> I mean, you're, if, you, if you hear the music that I'm playing, I try to be respectful as much as I can, but I'm getting after it. You know what I mean? And it, that's how I choose to live. I, I feel like I owe that to, I feel like I owe that to God. I feel like I owe that to my mother. I feel mm. like I owe that to my wife and my kids to be around as long and as healthy and as happy and as present and focused as I can be. And in like, those all stem from choices. You know what I mean? And it, it, it just, it is what it is. Like that is controlled by me and I'm gonna do the best that I can with it. I try to eliminate words like try. I do my best, I replace try with do my best to, to live the best that I can. I wanna positively impact people. That includes my family, that includes myself. You know, um, Mark Ripito, who is a famous strength coach and author, says this. He says this. He says, at the end of the day, I'm paraphrasing his famous quote. He says, at the end of the day, physical strength is the most important thing. And we can not like it or not. It's just what it is. What he's saying is like, you know, the strongest guy in the world isn't perhaps the healthiest or the happiest. But along the course of time, you know, being able to stand, being able to walk, being able to function is a very valuable thing. So when I read that quote from him, I was like, damn, like, I don't, I don't intend to bench press 500 pounds, you know, when I'm a, you know, when I'm an old man, that's not what he's talking about. It's, it's you being physically able to do, to live, like to live and to function, to get things out of your cabinet, to, you know, to walk, to play with your grandkids, to wrestle with your son, to, you know, to, make love to do all like all of the things that we can do in the flesh well it requires physical strength so that's that's part of of when i you know how i choose to pursue my best self you know so i i look at it like this um life is a journey it's not a destination and i i I feel like it's important that we have a clear understanding of that it's a journey so we should be present on where we are at all of these times and that being present starts with gratitude. I'm thankful that I can stand up and walk. I'm thankful that I can work out. I'm thankful that I can provide for my family. I'm thankful that God gave me the spirit and the energy and the humility to learn from other people. So one of the things that I work on, my body, I work on my mind. I read um, as, as often as I can. Um, and if I'm not able to read it, I listen to it. So audiobooks as well. And my spirit, I really believe in meditation and prayer. 
not for everybody, but it's for me. And I've felt the growth. I've seen the growth. I've seen the product I am when I apply these things versus when I'm just living and letting time go. So now let's talk about for you personally, Omar, that next step for you, because here's what I remember and correct me if I'm wrong. When you went, well, first of all, before we get to that point, tell me about the selection of you going to Georgia Tech University. Was there other visits? Was there any good stories along those visits uh, that are worth sharing? Tell me how you made the decision to go from Colonial High School to now be a student athlete at Georgia Tech University. Okay, uh, let me, before we go on, I want to say, since we are uh, going down memory lane, I want to give you some credit. Bro, one of the things, and I actually wrote it down in my notes here, (laughs) one of the things that I'll never forget you for is you taught me how to drive, you know? Is that right? Yeah, I don't remember. It's weird, the stuff I don't remember and the stuff I do remember. Tell me about this. Yeah, you taught me to drive, man. I remember that red car. Um, I remember Oh, my gosh, of course, that was my first car. Bro, I remember you screaming. You're hogging the curb. You're hogging the curb. And I was about to hop the curb because I didn't know how to drive. You were teaching me how to drive. And wow. it, you know, it's such a, a special memory for me. So of all the things that um, I, you know, I appreciate, um, I appreciate recalling that. And, you know, those are things that you never forget. You know, you never forget learning to ride a bike. You never forget learning how to drive. And, you know, you made that deposit in my life. So I'm really grateful for that, wow. man, um, hey. among other things. Yeah. Omar, thanks for sharing that. Now I've, I, gosh, because I, I, I love this moment, and it's weird the things we remember because I yeah. don't remember that, but yeah. I do remember this. I remember some of you guys as sophomores, and and let me go through the names off the top of my head: Sam Siler, Jamal, you, yeah. Sean Bailey. I remember I had like a little crew of the sophomore class that were like my fans, like that yeah. loved me. Yeah, you know, and I remember uh, a seven on seven league, one of the off seasons. Yeah that I was a part of. And I remember like you guys were there and just like hype my hype crew. I just loved you guys because you guys gave me the confidence to always know what I was. Yeah. And I knew what I was. I just, I was 16, 17. What could I do with that knowledge? Except I didn't know. I didn't have any mentors. I didn't have anybody guiding me. Tell me if you remember this. Omar. I remember you guys had my back and like I was writing vision boards then I was convinced that I was unstoppable and that I was, I was going to the NFL by hell or high water. Yeah. Do you remember any of this hype club that I'm talking about? Or like, I just, I remember those guys I mentioned, I freaking love you guys because you guys gave me confidence and hopefully I in turn instilled some of that confidence into you guys. But a lot of you guys as sophomores, you went on to play college ball. Those guys I mentioned played college football. Yeah, I don't. I know. I don't think I'm not. I had nothing to do with that. But those are guys I remember that had my back as a senior, uh, that gave me confidence, and I in turn wanted to show love. So tell me about that. What which I remember, and if you remember any of that at that time. Well, you know, uh, interesting enough in in business and in sales, uh, belief sales is a transfer of belief, right? Fundamentally, and I believe that what you shared with us was a transfer of of belief overall. And that's something that was really valuable. Now, was I aware enough at 15 to understand that that's what was going on? But it was like, Mm. nah, Brad is fired up about what the opportunity of of making it to the next level looks like. So Mm -hmm. he may transfer that to us. And so all we start thinking is what (laughs) it's like to play on Saturday. What it's Mm. like to play on Saturday and then Sunday. And you know what I mean? And I remember that being a really positive time in my life. You know what I mean? 
like at that time, I think leaving the ninth grade center and, and going to 10th grade at that time, I was signing my signature like Michael Irvin. So I used to sign Omar, the playmaker, Billy. Right. Mm. And, and it, you know, it comes from those things, those kind of conversations. So that's valuable, bro. Like, so while I, I may not have been aware enough to understand it then, in hindsight, I think about what the, the drivers of, you know, my passion for football and my ambitions for making it to the next level were. And I, I can certainly give you credit for that. You know, Sean Bailey, um, he's the one who introduced me to watching college football and, and knowing the names and stuff like that. He, he was. I have to give him credit for that. He's always been a huge sports fan that came from his dad. He showed me. My, the first Parade All-American magazine, like those, you yeah. know, the recruiting magazines and stuff like that. You know, this belief thing is not linear. It's like, yo, guys like you, guys like Sean, guys like, you know, Coach Hope, got, you know, all of these people poured a certain level of belief into me that helped mm-hmm. me, that drove me to the next level, that, that contributed to me making the kind of decisions that I made, man. I, at 15, I was working two jobs, Schlotsky's Deli and Inglewood Neighborhood Center at 15. And I kept those jobs throughout high school. Well, those positions paid for me to go to camp. I went to camp with like Coach O, Coach Ogeron for LSU. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I went to camp with, uh, at a camp he was running. I remember meeting him. I remember wow. winning MVP at that camp. You know what I mean? And that's funded by, um, you know, my two jobs. But it's driven by the belief that I'm given from all these people, including yourself. You know what I mean? And so those things are really, really valuable. Like, I remember that being a very, very positive time in my life. And I'm grateful for it, dog. Like, straight up, you know, it, it's, it was really a blessing to have that. And part of my story, and, I, I, you know, I choose to look at it like this, is even mm. though we were in a place that didn't have a, a line of success, being able to make it out of there, it always meant a lot to me. You know what I mean? And, and it always will. So it... it you know, it comes from those contributions. It comes from those nuggets that I got from guys like yourself. So I it's interesting. It. It's interesting, Omar. You talk about success, and my my girlfriend's had to teach me this lesson in the last few weeks. Um, success, success is an interesting definition, and it's it's interesting who who is giving that title and who's defining it for you because right. the dictionary may have a version of success. Uh, but I think just like you talked about winning, success is defined from within. It's yeah. not about what you have or what your title is because you're not bringing any of that uh, when, it, when it's time to punch the time clock on this uh, fleshing experience is the human ex- experience. It's, it's what you've experienced with your fellow brothers and sisters and, and what they remember, how you made them feel. And of course, the great Maya Angelou quote. Um, but and I'm, I, she ha- has convinced me of that because sometimes for myself, uh, you know, sports has really been, been my only defining thing that I, that I latch to in life. Do I have more passions and talents? Yes, but it always goes back to sports for me. So sometimes I some feel stuck and and not having uh, the titles or the financial rewards or the, the things that come along with the elevated experience in this country. And it was it was kind of a, a waking up moment that. Uh, and I think young people, when we talk about our journey through Colonial, yes, did we have the the, the, the wins and losses? And like you, you described, it's not a matter of losing. It's all a matter of what we took from that experience. 
Of course. I, we're, we're competitors, Omar. I, I, I would love to go back in that time machine and put some of the pieces together and say, look, there's no reason we couldn't have be, beat any team we took the field against. I firmly believe if things would have been differently that we could have, and nobody will ever tell me otherwise. But that is what it is. But that's the fun part of the journey because I can reflect on where I've been and what got me there and the mistakes that were made, not only by me, but the leaders and mentors around me. And now I can offer that lesson to other people, young people that may listen to the show. I had an eight-year-old on the show last week talking about his wrestling dreams and journey. Okay. I'm a huge wrestling fan. That's something that I've taken with my childhood to now. Yeah. And and Omar, one of the memories I remember, uh, you, you shared one with me that I, I don't really recall, but I'm going to share one with you. I, I, I don't know if you'll recall or not. I remember going to your house, Omar, and us uh, sharing conversation. I met your mom, and, and we got in it in on on Madden football and I remember us having a back and forth I don't remember who won but I remember we were both fired up about that experience and I got to see some of your other talents that day some of your amazing drawings and I remember being blown away saying oh my god Omar what you know this is this is incredible and uh I just remember the bits and pieces of that day and I remember us getting in on it in Madden and following you now today, I know gaming is still a little bit a part of your life and I'm sure something you probably passed down to your kids. Mm. Um, yeah. So I don't have as much time to uh, do either as much anymore, but I've been intentional with budgeting the time. And it's, <laughs> it's something that it, it's like, bro, I, I love the, I love what, um, what gaming has done for, um, for my life, like for the, the fellowship of gaming. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I love with my college teammates, dog. Like, uh, I think I want to say it was my second or third year at tech. Um, the halo came out and so did NCAA. I think it was 2003 or 2004. One of those, both of those dropped at the same time. And we lost like 10 or 15 guys. Cause they were not going to class. Now, <laughs> you can laugh at it now. Right. But we were, we were on the stick so heavy and it was so much fun, man. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I would argue now that it's, you know, I wouldn't want my kids to spend too much time on video games. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, I, and I'm not going to go down that road too much, right? But there, there's a place for it. And I still enjoy uh, NBA 2K. I still enjoy uh, Madden has gotten a little redundant. You know what I mean? Oh. But if they drop. I, ret I retired NCAA, it back then. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if they drop another NCAA. Bro, NCAA was the, the greatest game ever created. Like, I still, as a matter of fact, on Facebook Marketplace, I bought an Xbox 360 so I could still play um, uh, NCAA 2014, right? I, like, I have it. I have it at my house. You know what I mean? So that is, uh, that is part of my leisure. Now, I feel like I'm, it, it, I have to be careful um, and I have to be mindful. Um, is a better word with actually scheduling leisure leisure i i believe that almost to a detriment i've been a you know a bit driven in business so now i have to say all right listen i got to spend some time with my family i have to be intentional about it i have to mm -hmm. budget some time for myself to meditate to pray because i can i can be a workaholic and um you know, it serves its purpose at certain times, but at other times, it's like, like Steve Jobs says, like, you know, when, when you're in your last days, you're not going to look back and wish that you had worked more. You're not, you know, you're going to wish that you had spent time, you know, the right kind of time with 
the people that are important to you. You're going to wish that you, you know, you did certain things. And I, that's one of the things that I'm intentional with, you know, sewing back into the journey, some of my talent, like or, or some of the gifts that God gave me and, and, and what I'm going to do with it. Uh, for instance, I'm working on some wall art. You brought up the drawing. I'm working on some wall art right now for my gym that I'm excited about. Now, mm. am I going to make any money from this? Nah, but not everything is about money. You know what I mean? And it's, as a society, that's kind of where, you know, social media pushes you to, like everything is about money. Well, shit, listen, you, I've, I've been blessed to, to live a nice lifestyle as an adult. I, you know, I really thank God for it. I thank, I really thank God for it. I mean it, but a few thousand dollars you don't feel any different you know what i mean even tens of thousands of dollars in your account and this is not a flex trust me i i know people in my life personally who have more money in their account and are less happy than me mm, right mm. i don't want to end up on the wrong end of that equation yeah i choose to, to be happy i choose to be grateful i choose to be many of these things and that's something that we have the ability to do I believe that there is value and drive in business, in your relationships, and all of these things. It matters. That was Omar Billy, part one of the conversation we have. We may have part two for you on Thursday. And you can also check out the rest of that conversation on the YouTube channel, Brad the Believer. As we're wrapping up, guys, I wanted to get to Blake Griffin and the All-Star Game. We'll have to save that for Thursday. But real quick, I do want to talk about the teams that have punched their ticket to March Madness in the NCAA tournament. Tonight, as Brian Bravo mentioned in the chat, in comeback fashion, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, they ended up beating BYU by 10 tonight. Uh, the final score in that one, Gonzaga, Gonzaga number one ranked overall 25-0 and on the season. We're down 10-plus at halftime. They came all the way back and got the win over BYU. That final was 88-78, Gonzaga won by 10. Some more teams that won their conference titles tonight and punched their ticket to March Madness. Oral Roberts, the Golden Eagles of Oral Roberts, they won. They beat North Dakota State. 75-72 out of the Summit League. Some more teams that moved on from the Horizon League. The Cleveland State Vikings, they beat the Oakland Grizzlies 80-69. to Cleveland State punched their ticket. Mount St. Mary's, the Mountaineers, they beat Bryant today in the Northeast Conference Final 73-68. to Mount St. Mary's will be punching their ticket. And the Colonial Athletic Conference, the Drexel Dragons, they punched their ticket. And they got a win, 63-56 over Elon College. And a couple teams from yesterday punched their ticket as well to the tournament. Appalachian State out of the Sunbelt Conference. They got a victory yesterday over Georgia State, 80-73. And the Spartans of UNC Greensboro, they'll be representing the Southern Conference. And they beat Mercer, 69-61. So those are some of the conference title games that have come to completion and teams that will be punching their ticket to March Madness. But guys, we'll get into some more basketball talk on Thursday. I want to thank everyone for joining the show. If you missed any part of the show, check out the podcast version of the show on any of your podcasting platforms. Landry Football Conference called The Rest Stop will be underneath there. 
subscribe and like to the YouTube channel at Brad the Believer on Twitter at Brad the Believer, Instagram as well, and Facebook. We go live every Tuesday and Thursday, nine o'clock Pacific time. For Spencer the Wiz, I'm Brad the Believer. Have a great night, everyone. We'll see you back here at nine o'clock Pacific on Thursday.